Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with Pete DeMeo. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. And Misha Bokikia. Happy Friday or Monday or whatever day of the week you are listening to this. You have to list every day so not one of them feels left out. I said whatever day. Okay. Well, this is a great day. It is the start of a beautiful new beginning for this country and for this world. And I'm not talking about the inauguration that happened earlier today, the day that we're recording this. I'm talking about the sound quality of this podcast. We tried it last week. I felt like we almost succeeded, but the volume levels were a little off. But this week, truly, we can bring the message of hotel marketing and make it great again for the world to hear. Hey, you know what people should do? If they like the sound of this podcast, they should go to iTunes and review us. Oh, that would be good. That's a segue. That is a segue. Not one you ride on, but... <laughs> Thanks for clarifying, okay, Pete. Okay, no problem. And bad jokes brought to you today by Pete DeMeo, everybody. But this is part two of a two-parter. The first part was last week, and we talked about the first three of five things that we think are contributing to the fact that this is 2017, the year of the guest. And the first three were, do you remember, guys? Pop the, quiz. The first one was the battle for direct bookings rages on. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that's a big one. That was huge in 2016. We talked about it extensively last week, and it continues in 2017, and it really is a fight for the, the wallets of the consumer and the data that belongs to those consumers as well. What's number two? I don't know if it was number two or number three, but I know tech takes over was a big one. That was number three. You're jumping ahead, but tech takes over is really important, and that is probably one of the most important of these top five, for sure, because it comes a part of everyday life for all of us. It's going to have to become infused into everyday life in the hotel as well. Um, if you want more details, listen to the last episode. You should have listened to that before this because it clearly states in the title, this is part two. So, yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah. Unless you're a rebel without a cause and you just do things your own way. Or you're a Star Wars fan. Well, you can watch Star Wars out of order if you start with episode four. True. But you would never start with episode five and then watch episode four. That would just be madness. I'm going to go home this weekend and do that just to annoy you. It, it, <laughs> it will ruin your brain. But let's talk about the second thing we talked about last week, which was the sharing economy. The sharing economy, like Airbnb and, and such, and how impactful that is on how people consume and what they're looking for in an experience as well. So if you want to hear any of those three, go back, listen to episode 38, the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. You can get to that from fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 38 and you'll get the little play button there or you can download it in iTunes if or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. But we're on episode 39. We're going to do two more of the top five things that are contributing to why this is the year of the guest. But before we do that, as always, what's going on in the news? Well, I found an article that I might get like a little ranty on for two minutes, but then come back off my podium. I saw on tnews.com, Stay Alfred captures $15 million round to take rental services global. So this caught my attention just because I feel like there are so many new travel rental startups and I'm just struggling to see how they're able to really differentiate themselves from each other. So this one caught my attention. I have never heard of it before. So I clicked out to the Stay Alfred website and it's a pretty clean user experience. You can put in your destination, your check-in dates, pretty similar to an Airbnb, for example. So I go through this whole process and the whole time I'm sitting here like, this is basically Airbnb. Like, how is this not Airbnb? They have um, 
mostly predominant in urban areas. They have a lot of apartment, condo type rentals that are available. So I'm struggling with a little bit. And then I realized once I went to their About Us page, more reading about it, they their differentiator, if you will, is that they're the best experience of a hotel and an Airbnb. So they own all of these properties. So you're not getting quite the unique host experience as you would an Airbnb, which I feel like a lot of people stick with Airbnb because they like that unique experience. This is a little bit more consistent. They are all owned by the State Alfred Company. So you do have the consistency of a hotel and the same base amenities, the same, you can expect a lot of the same things with all of their rentals. So I kind of get it a little bit more. It's, it is more of a blended approach and I feel like there would be a market for that. So I, you know, I, I came off of my anger a little bit just because I feel like they do have a little bit of a differentiator, but I still feel like there are so many travel startups and there's just no way they can all continue. But 15 million, that doesn't seem like a ton to make a big impact, in my opinion. When you look at, you know, last week we talked about Priceline's founder raising over 50 million initially in startup capital. And you, you kind of wonder how much they can really do. Are they going to use that to buy new properties? Is it just for marketing? So I'm it sure. looked to me, and I'm assuming they're going to put some towards marketing just because I feel like their brand awareness isn't there. But in the article, they talk about how right now they only have 350 properties in really large markets. So New York City, Boston, those type of markets. They Their goal with this money is to have 4,000 properties within the next two years, which is pretty aggressive. Yeah, to me, it sounds like they're just trying to be a rental management company. Right. But what's the difference? Yeah, that again, that's kind of where I'm struggling. Like, I feel like they're trying to take the Airbnb approach, but like Airbnb is its own thing because they're all individually owned and Airbnb doesn't own any inventory. Right. I feel like they're, they're trying to associate or, or, or connect themselves to Airbnb because it, it behooves them in the trying to get funding, right? Mm-hmm. Because if they go to someone else and say, we like Airbnb, but better, then people are going to throw cash at it because... Airbnb is getting so much press and attention, but really this is a rental management company that has a slick website Yeah, that, and, and operates in multiple destinations. I, I don't, whoever gave up that 15 million, it was probably still a good investment because the chances are these guys will build up if they can get to thousands of units, like they're saying, then they'll probably be able to flip it and, and make a lot more than 15 million, you know? So it, the cash is flowing in the in the hotel industry. It really is. You look at what's being acquired here, left and right for the last five, ten years. I, I don't blame these people for having all these different startups. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm imagining if they get bought out, it won't be because they're so unique. It would be somebody wanting their inventory. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, or the fact they're going to have a big revenue stream. But they're going to have to spend a lot of money to, to market. And, and, I mean, don't get me started on the name. It's terrible. Yeah, the name is pretty terrible. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the news today. We didn't have any others, did we, Pete? No, it was a, it was a light weekend news with the inauguration and everything else. That yeah. kind of stole Enough the bad news. news for the week. Womp womp. Well, well hey, here, here's some news. It's not really anywhere other than everywhere. We have a hotelier who is sitting in the White House. So keep an eye on for that. See what happens there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's got a good knowledge of the industry and obviously he's a vested interest um, all but in a trust now, not directly. He's got a vested interest in hotels being successful. So some some people are speculating, does that mean more legislation is going to be thrown at things like Airbnb? You know, so watch this space. So, But don't forget, 50% of our listeners probably are happy today, Misha, before you start casting aspersions. <laughs> I'm, I'm a foreigner, so I don't really have an opinion. I'm not allowed to vote. 
And 30% of our um, listeners are foreign as well. They're from other countries. Um, nobody so. can see this, but I'm just like shrugging. I'm like, meh, whatever. Shrug. I don't care. <laughs> meh is a good word. Meh, meh. All right, so let's jump into our topic. Get off the political uh, shenanigans. So let's talk about why this is the year of the guest. We've already done the first three, so we're going to hop right into number four, and that is loyalty programs. And, you know, loyalty at at the root is about the guest, and loyalty programs are not a new thing. They've been around for a long time. A lot of hotels, especially the big chains, have had some success with loyalty. But I really believe that it's changing what loyalty is and what it means in when we look at who has adopted loyalty programs, especially for these big guys, it's primarily business travelers. And most business travelers, including myself, they aren't really loyal. They just are joined to multiple loyalty programs, right? So when I'm going out of town, I'll probably stay at one of the flags because it's a if it's on business because I'm looking for a consistent experience, especially if I'm at a conference, something like that. But I don't care if it's a Marriott or Hilton or whoever. If I have a loyalty program, I'm going to accrue points. I don't care that it's all in one or spread between them, right? So is is that loyalty program really having the effect that it was intended to? It's just really costing them money because I'd probably stay with them anyway. Yeah, I think if, if you're an independent hotel, that's where you need your loyalty program to really stand out. I think in so many cases, if you have kind of a, a lackluster loyalty program, if people sign up for it and it's not enough to get them to book, all you're doing is putting money toward a program that, that may not have a, a direct return. So I think you really need to focus on it. When you look at you know, OTAs are creating their own loyalty programs. So I would say if you're a hotel, build out that loyalty program, but go above and beyond and really make sure your guests know that whatever the OTAs offer in terms of a loyalty program, yours is better because they're getting on-site amenities also. Yeah, and that, I think that's the key, right? So a lot of people, especially independent hotels, have shied away from loyalty programs unless they're part of a bigger group and they really brand the, that group because they feel like, well, how often are people going to stay with me? And, and I don't think loyalty is about necessarily repeat business because now it's about making someone that leaves your property happy because either they're going to come back or they're going to go and evangelize for you on social media and impact your so your online reputation, which will lead to new loyal business, right? So what we've seen is a shift from long-term deferred loyalty rewards to short-term instant gratification rewards. And we recently did a study with in conjunction with Flip2, and in it, one of the questions we asked, were, we asked a bunch of questions about loyalty, but one of them specifically was if you had the choice between instant gratification and it was a lower value versus deferred gratification at a higher value. We didn't word it that way, but it was basically a long <coughs> discounts towards future stays or discounts towards your current stay, but they were smaller. 78% of people said they would prefer less value now than waiting for that deferred gratification. And that's just the society that we live in today. And, and it makes sense. So we see folks like Hilton with their loyalty program beginning to offer not just, okay, you do get discounts towards future stays, you can earn points, but you know what, if you're a Hilton Honors member, you get bottles of water in the room, you get faster Wi-Fi, you get to check in by the mobile app. There's a lot of little perks. So Pete, you wanna list out some of the perks that you can offer as a loyalty <coughs> program um, hotel 
that maybe incentivize people to pick you versus the competition? Because it's not just about repeat business, it's about make, getting people to make a decision now to stay with you now. Well, I think you hit on one of the big ones, which is the easy check-in process, because if you come in via an OTA, you're gonna have a longer check-in process because that hotel does not know anything about you. You know, so the very first thing I would hit on is that early check-in process or the easy check-in process. But more importantly, if someone's booking direct and they're a member of your loyalty program, you can let them check in an hour early. You know, it might take a little bit of work from a housekeeping perspective, but getting that person 30 minutes or an hour early check-in is a really big deal for a traveler. A lot of times check-in may be four o'clock, but typically you're getting to a destination way before that. And if you can make yourselves a little bit more attractive by giving someone a place to put their stuff and check in early, that's a great loyalty program feature. Uh, you know, other ones, like you said, Wi-Fi, making that faster, giving them benefits to in a technology perspective. We talked a little bit about that in part one of the podcast, but if we can make them feel at home because they're a loyalty member, you know, be that faster Wi-Fi, be that, you know, premium access to, you know, a streaming service or whatever else it might be. That's going to be a big benefit. And kind of going from there, if we have them on site and we know who they are, what a great place to do some type of F&B discount. So a free drink at the bar for, you know, on check-in, or it could be, you know, 10% off breakfast or one of the meals. Looking at your hotel overall as a revenue stream and how you can direct people to different areas even if it's at a discount if you have that person their captive audience use your loyalty programs to make sure you're giving them a big a big benefit yeah and that one i really like because no it's a win-win right because not only is your guest getting a better experience and feeling valued and and you know it, it, they feel like they got more for their stay than they were expecting but you're going to make more money and you're going to drive people to the on-site amenities that maybe aren't being utilized as much. So if I'm a, if I'm a guest and as a loyalty member, I get 10% off my bar tab or the restaurant or I get a free appetizer, whatever it is, I'm, I'm infinitely more likely to now eat or drink on property than go to mm-hmm. one of the hundreds of restaurants <clears throat> in the area, which is what I probably would have done had I not received that offer. So I'm actually offering the guest value but I'm making more profit because even if I give them a 10% discount or a free appetizer, I'm still making more profit from that one guest at the end of the day than I would have had I not offered it to them. And so, you're creating the opportunity to have a personal connection. You know, you may not have ever talked to this person face to face, but when they go to your restaurant or to your bar, now they're talking to the waitress. Now they're talking to the bartender who, you know, typically are the ones who are really great people, 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 people in your organization. People, people are my favorite people. <clears throat> I'm a big fan of people. (laughs) One of the last ones that I really like is the welcome gift. Hampton, you know, the Hilton group does a really nice job with this because only people who are part of their loyalty program get that welcome gift. That little, I think in their case, it's a blue bag with a little gold sticker on it that has the bottle of water and a cookie and whatnot. And other guests who are not loyalty members see someone else getting rewarded. And that is almost more valuable than the reward you give to your loyalty program guest. Everyone sees that. I'm not a member of the club. And, you know, naturally they're going to want to join that club. And, you know, that's what your front desk should be doing is letting them know, hey, if you checked in via an OTA, if you book direct, but you're just not a loyalty member, let me get you signed up now. And 
you know, we'll give you that welcome gift and, and welcome you into the, into the club. Yeah, it's an incentive for sure to get the, them to sign up. And then you're getting more data on them. And that's really, at the end of the day, what you want from them. But you're also making them happier. So when they leave, they're an evangelist. They go and tell people all that great stuff as well. You know, one thing that I've seen that I think is a little bit more creative, and I think it's been very prominent more so in the more intimate bed and breakfast setting is exclusive events. So you might go to a bed and breakfast and a lot of times they'll have a complimentary happy hour or a tea time or something for their guests. And we're seeing more hotels now are starting to offer exclusive events like that for their loyalty members. So it might be something small, just free glass of wine at happy hour for our members or, you know, a wine and cheese reception or just a social hour just for their loyalty members. But again, just trying to think of outside of the box ways where you can make them feel like part of your hotel family and provide them a thank you for being a loyal member yeah and that that kind of harkens back to what we talked about last week with the the um, sharing economy and how you can differentiate so it's not just differentiating from other hotels you're also differentiating from airbnb and other places so offering those kind of events that are exclusive that really don't cost you a lot of money when you spread it over all the guests and you're getting more loyalty you're getting more members signed up to the loyalty program and you're probably making more money in the long run it's I mean, it's just win, 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 win for everyone. All the people, people, win, win, win. And we've seen specific examples of where this can really help. One that I'm thinking about in particular is some of the hotel properties in Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach is a big golf destination with, you know, 80 plus golf courses. You know, there's tons of people who come down playing golf packages. And several of the hotels in the area would create a weekly golf reception that was only to people who stayed at those hotels and played golf. And you could see through the analytics that people who showed up at those events, they chose these properties in many cases because of those added values, that you know, exclusive event where only they get to go to this big party with an open bar, you know, hors d'oeuvres, things like that. But more of it was the exclusivity of being able to do something and having you know, plans for that night that they first arrive on or, or whenever. You know, if you talk to those people, they rave about it. And that you're creating memories that they couldn't get anywhere else. And that's what they're going to go tell their friends about. That's what they're going to post on social media. That's what they're going to remember next time they have a choice to book with you or with someone else. Yeah, I'll say with the loyalty programs, you know, Stuart, you travel a lot more than I do for business. So I feel like you are more in that business travel category traveler category I am not I travel maybe a few times a year and like you said earlier loyalty is not so loyal anymore you know I don't have a preferred hotel brand that I stay with I am a member of their loyalty program because they push it so heavily and they say okay sign up you can get points for future stays I'm like okay great you know I'll add this to my repertoire of things I'm signed up for so having you know we do have the data to back it up that people prefer it but I personally would definitely be more inclined to book with a property that did give me exclusive events or an early check-in or some of these features that we're talking to I mean relates to me personally and if you think about destinations like Myrtle Beach where people are really only traveling once a year so if you do have a destination like that where you're getting people once maybe twice a year how long is it going to take them to stay with you to accrue those those points for the free stay it's just not worth it exactly and I actually spoke and I'm not going to mention who it is but it's a smaller chain Um, they only have a hundred or so properties but they look at loyalty as an investment against third-party channels right so if you want to join their loyalty program and book with them directly through the loyalty program maybe you get a little discount but it's more than that and they're willing to invest five or ten percent of whatever you're booking back into that guest in in rewards of some sort in that state 
because they know if if they're not doing that, then people may go and book through the OTA or book with a competition. And if they book through an OTA, they're paying at least 15% commission. So why not spend 5%, 10% giving back to the guest in either planned out ways or unexpected ways? You know, give give that money, invest back in them. That to me is a sort of like a marketing expense because not only is it making that guest happy, but it's making that guest an evangelist. Which kind of leads us to the next point. So number five, the final uh, final point in why this is the year of the guest. Obviously, loyalty is all about the guest and them being a happy guest when they leave. But not just loyalty, it's about really what we call surprise and delight. That is giving a guest something unexpected during their stay, engaging with them on a human people-people level and making them say, wow. You know, this kind of concept started several years ago with a few companies. You know, Zappos are probably the biggest when you, it comes to surprise and delight. They, they wow through customer service, right? So if you have a problem with them, they're going to not only do what you expect them to do, they're going to do a little bit more than you expect them to do. And then you're going to say, wow, and I'm, I'm going to be a, a customer for life. And that's really, when we're talking about loyalty programs, I'm trying to build customers for life. Loyalty programs are going to go a certain way. It's the experience that's going to be the make or break as to whether or not you're going to be a loyal guest and evangelist. And if you can really surprise and delight someone to the point where they would just, that you blew their socks off, then you enchant them. And once you enchant them, then they become a raving fan and when you have raving fans in every corner of this globe everyone's going to hear about it the word of mouth benefit from raving fans that you enchanted by surprising and delighting them is is worth way more than you can spend on adwords or email marketing or seo or any of these other tactical things that we do from marketing perspective you your marketing budget should look at not just the external stuff you can do to drive business your marketing budget should look at the operational side of things. What can you do to make sure every guest that leaves your property is super happy and has been enchanted and goes out and becomes a part of your marketing department? Yeah, it's not something that you say you're going to do. It's something that becomes your culture. Everyone from the housekeeping team up to the C-level of the property has to be out there constantly looking for ways they can blow their guests away. It's it's not easy to do. It's not something you do with a pocketbook. It really is something you do. You got to change that culture and make sure everyone is empowered to do something extra for guests. Yeah, I completely agree that it has to be completely immersed in your culture. So I was at a hotel recently for a meeting. I'm in a lot of um, organizations and we have meetings at a lot of the local hotels. And I walked in, I wasn't very familiar with the property and I had no idea where I was going. I looked obviously confused. And one of the maintenance people that happened to be walking by said, Oh, can I help you? I said, I'm looking for a meeting room, whatever. And so he could have just said, Oh, it's this way. And I would have been fine. Okay. I can find it. Great. But no, he took the time. He escorted me to the elevator, directed me personally to the room and then, you know, conversed with me the entire way up. Oh, what are you in town for? Are you local? Just general chit chat. But to me, that was such a better experience than just, you know, telling me where it is and hoping I make it there. Was that a flag or an independent? That was independent. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Think about the training that had to happen. And a lot of it is training, but it's also about hiring, right? When you're going through the hiring process and you're hiring someone for maintenance, 
making sure that they actually care, that they, they understand why you're in the hospitality business and understand that they aren't just there to fix the stuff that breaks and replace the light bulbs, but they are there to serve the guest. Because we're in the hospitality industry to serve the guest and make sure they have an outstanding, amazing experience. Every single person, whether it's a housekeeper, a maintenance person, certainly the front desk, the concierge, whoever it is, they need to be guest-centric. And that's where Surprise and Delight happens is when everyone really genuinely cares about every guest that comes. I agree. I feel like I run into that a lot whether it's at a retail store or just really any service industry or at a restaurant. And it's just like the person is just not engaging, not mm -hmm. very polite. And I'm like, you realize you chose to work in an industry where you deal with people. Right. And people use the analogy a lot or they compare, you know, fast food chains. And, and everyone always kind of holds Chick-fil-A up as the poster child. And maybe they pay a little bit more. And yes, they don't force people to work on Sundays. And yes, they invest in their education. But it's, that's not the reason, right? It's their hiring practices, it's their culture, it's their training, it's, it's infused into their DNA as to why anytime you say at Chick-fil-A, thank you to someone, they're gonna say my pleasure. Because it is genuinely their pleasure and it is ingrained in them from the very beginning of that relationship. You can do that in a hotel just as easily as Chick-fil-A does that in a fast food industry. But it starts at the very top and you have to set the example. And if you're a GM or if you're an owner, you have to be walking the halls of your hotel and engaging with your guest in understanding what their needs and their desires are and why they're there and where they come from and who they are. And if you're doing that at the very top, your reservationists and your maintenance crew and your housekeeping, they're all going to see that and they're going to follow suit. And you've got to continue to talk about it and, and make it infused in your DNA, just like Chick-fil-A does. And, and it really is obvious, right? You can't really put it into words what it is, but you know it when you see it. Uh, my wife and I have this kind of ongoing joke, and we've been married for you know 15 years almost. And when we're at a restaurant and someone's really good, and you can tell the people that are really good servers versus they don't really care or they're just there to earn their paycheck we always look at each other and say they can work at my restaurant like we're never going to open mm -hmm. a restaurant but we have this hypothetical restaurant in our heads that one day we're going to open and these are the people that we would hire because they actually care about us when we're eating at that restaurant would you hire me for your restaurant you've never served me <laughs> so I, I don't know <clears throat> well i'll say one thing though is you know it's always good to go out of your way and surprise and delight happy guests where you can really step up and surprise and delight is when you screw up. And that happens throughout life. You can't get away from it, especially in the hotel business where, you know, screw ups happen all the time. A room's not clean. You know, there's a check-in that's late. Someone doesn't show up when they're supposed to. That's the time that you really can blow people's socks off. You know, an example of that is going back to Chick-fil-A. You know, I was there recently and I was waiting for my order. It wasn't long. But then when I got my order, they say, and I also, I apologize, here's a coupon for a free, free meal next time you come back. And I said, well, why? They're like, oh, well, we really expected to have this to you a couple minutes before we did. I didn't even know there was a problem. They said, this doesn't live up to our own expectations. And then they completely blew me out of the water to where I was like, I didn't even think I had a problem. And you fixed it before it even became an issue. 
Right. It, it's about it, it's kind of equivalent to brand standards in a hotel, right? In in having those brand standards, whether the guest knows about it or not, if you don't deliver on your own expectations, then make it right. Don't wait for that guest to complain. Just deliver the best quality service you can. And you don't all have to be five-star hotels. You could be a two-star hotel and still deliver on your promise, regardless of how happy a guest is when you engage with them. So don't wait for them to, to complain or write a bad review. Understand what the expectations are from your ownership, from your GM, from yourself, and deliver on those. And if you let yourself down, make up for it right then and there. And, and it can be little stuff, you know, even just an apology in a, in a coupon like you got from Chick-fil-A. I mean, it goes a long way. And what does it really cost them? You know, it doesn't because it's an investment in your future business. Right. It's there's a, there's a saying it's a problem is just an opportunity in work clothes. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but it's true. It gives you an opportunity to step up to the guest and not only fix it, but go above and beyond. It's. It's something that you really should be on the lookout for. Try to find those little problems and, and make them home runs for yourself. Yeah, there are a lot of studies out there that actually show that a guest that has a problem that you resolve satisfactorily and go above and beyond or actually leave a happier guest than someone that you didn't engage with during the stay. And people in general that you engage with during the stay tend to be a lot more likely to leave positive reviews. So any opportunity you have to engage with a guest, whether you screwed up or whether you're delivering, it doesn't matter. Engage with your guest. Genuinely care about them. Ask them what their thoughts, their desires, their fears are, and figure out ways to improve their stay, no matter how happy or sad they are at that minute. Make that genuine effort. You know, we've talked on the podcast before about Melissa, one of our fellow Fuligans, that's had great uh, great stays in Savannah, Georgia, and the property she stays at left a handwritten note with a bottle of wine on her third or fourth stay with the property. And she has told so many people about it. They didn't have to do it. She wasn't a disgruntled guest. She didn't have a problem. But they went above and beyond, and they surprised, and they delighted her. And she became enchanted, and now she's a raving, fanatical fan of this property and she talks about it all the time she didn't have they didn't have to go to her and say hey will you like us on facebook or will you share your stay on facebook or twitter if you do that you're going to get a much bigger social bang for your buck by just going above and beyond because that's the stories you say or you'll snap a picture of it i can't believe this happened to me look how lucky i am and then every one of that person's friends sees that and they want to be in that case, in Melissa's shoes with a free bottle of wine and a handwritten note. Yeah, and we're all so cynical, right? We're all so quick to say, oh, people are quick to share like negative stuff, like a dirty room or bed bugs or whatever on social media. But you know what? If you really think about it, people genuinely are positive, right? They really do. If you look at the stuff that tends to go viral, that tends to resonate with people, it is more positive stuff. So when you really surprise someone and you do a good job of it and they go and share it, that catches fire and people love it. People genuinely want to see success and they genuinely genuinely want to see other people happy. So we've got a few examples and I'll start off by talking about one we talked about in the podcast before where a property has done it right. They've nailed it. There was either an issue or even not an issue. They just planned it this way and they created these raving fans by just their behavior, by doing things not just what were expected, but more than what was expected, right? So the first one 
is the Ritz-Carlton. And this is the poster child for surprise and delight. We talked about it before. I won't get into too much details. But the crux of it is that a kid and a family that stayed with a Ritz-Carlton, he left his uh, his little cuddly toy, his lovey, his, uh, we called it Petey last time. It's actually Joshy the giraffe at the property. And anyone that has a kid that has a lovey would understand how devastating that is. And they got home, they realized they left him at the property, they contacted the property. Now, most properties would just say, eh, I don't know where it is, right? Some properties might say, okay, we know where it is, we'll ship it back to you. But the Ritz-Carlton, they went above and beyond. They took photos with Joshy, having a great time, hanging out at the pool, driving a golf cart, doing all kinds of fun vacation stuff. They took those photos, they sent them back with Joshy, and they had a handwritten note saying, what a great time Joshy had, he just wanted to extend his vacation. And the dad blogged about it and it just caught fire because people were like, wow, this is above and beyond. This surprised and delighted this guest and the, his child. And obviously that that is just at the core of what we're talking about. So Misha, I think you have some other examples too. I do. It kind of, you know, I think the Joshi story was the poster child for this phenomenon. I think there's been several since then and we went and found a few so the first one we want to talk about was at the gaylord opry hotel this is in nashville i believe i think you stay there Stuart. yeah i've stayed um, there a couple of times it's phenomenal i think it's like outside of vegas it might be one of the largest properties in, yeah it's in the US. huge it has this huge in, indoor atrium like it's just the level of service there was really impressive the rooms were okay but the level of service there they do a really good job training their staff and, and they really do engage with you. Sure. And just thinking about a property of that size, and this story is pretty amazing. So there was a woman who has stayed at their hotel several times, and she happened to really, really, really like the alarm clock in the room. It had, like, some sound features and just some cool stuff that she really enjoyed. So on one of her stays, she tweeted at the property and said, Hey, you know, I'm staying at your hotel. I really like your alarm clock. Do you know where I can find it? Apparently, she had attempted to find that same model before and couldn't locate it anywhere, so she figured she would reach out. So the first option would have been to she could have not gotten a response because, let's face it, a lot of customer service, especially via Twitter, is not the best. They actually did respond to her saying, hey, you know, we're really sorry. This is actually an exclusive model to our property, but here's something really similar. So not only did they acknowledge her and give her a response, but they did give her a similar option. Well, that could have been, you know, end of the story. Great. She got a response. They provided her another option, you know, shut the door, end of the case. But instead of that, when she got back to her hotel room, there was an alarm clock wrapped up for her with a note that said, we're so glad you enjoy this model. Thank you so much for being a loyal guest. Please take one home with you. Yeah, it's, that's amazing. I mean, what does that really cost them? Five, 10, 20 bucks? I don't know. Exactly. But then you think on the scale of, okay, whoever was running their social account had to go look this person up and then coordinate with an inventory manager. I mean, it takes a little bit of coordination, but that time and that gesture was completely worth it because this has become another classic example of great customer service and surprise and delight in the hospitality industry. One thing to look at there is, let's say it cost them 20 bucks for this alarm clock. This didn't happen last week. It didn't happen a month ago. This happened in 2012. And we're still talking about it. How much would the Gaylord Hotel would have had to have spend between Boosted Post, PR, 
ads in newspapers and magazines and on the web to get that level of exposure. It I mean, cost them 20 bucks and someone who was going out of the way to some surprise and delight. Yeah, I mean, just being on this podcast alone probably is worth a million dollars. There's not money that would cover this. Yeah, so if anybody would like to be a sponsor, <laughs> please contact info at Fuel Travel. Yeah. <laughs> we actually did have an, uh, someone uh, offer to sponsor the podcast last week, but they were not relevant to... Hospitality but was it food or beverage down. related? Because I would accept that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not. Did, did they, were they involved with cats or wine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next example, before we get too off track, there was another hotel group, and they are part of the Accor group of hotels, and I might pronounce them incorrectly, but what I have is Sofitel and Novotel. Again, I'm sorry if I mispronounce those. But they are two boutique brands primarily present in large markets, so New York, Chicago, Boston, those kinds of areas, and high-end boutique resorts. So again, they do have a a very high-end clientele. But what they do a really, really, really great job of is doing covert, in-depth research on their loyal guests. So their staff is trained to really identify the likes and the needs and the wants of their loyal guests. So this could be anything from social media research or just doing really whatever they need to do to find out about what people's passion are. And then they use this information for good, not for evil, because it sounds a little creepy when I'm describing it, but they use this information to provide really awesome special gifts to say thank you to their customers. So it might be a special occasion like an anniversary or a birthday, which you should already have that information in your database, or it could just be this is the fifth or tenth time they've stayed with you, whatever it might be. So a few examples that we found of this where there was a woman who was really passionate about um, high-end culinary and cooking, and she always ate at really great restaurants while she was in town. So they booked her a demo with one of Chicago's top chefs, and she got to spend the entire night getting like a one-on-one cooking demonstration with a restaurateur top chef type deal. That's a pretty unique gift. And then another example they had was a guy they found out was really passionate about like foreign high-end cars. So they set up for him to rent like a Ferrari for a day. Again, not That's crazy. not the everyday standard gift. And of course, being a high-end property, these are not a bottle of water upon check-in. These are not cheap gifts but for them it's a really good fit because that's not only does it make such a great story but that is such a memorable experience these people are never going to forget that and it's people are going to talk about it whoever the hotel is if you let me rent a ferrari for a day i'll always stay at your property (laughs) even if i'm not in your market so i'll put that out there yeah it's (laughs) phenomenal and and any hotel that i ever am going to stay at if you see i'm reserved at i love star wars so anything star wars paraphernalia i would be very excited to get yeah, I'll throw the cats and wine out there again in case people were unaware. How weird would it be if you went and checked into a hotel, though, and they like gave you a cat at check-in? I would ask zero questions. You know, saying that, I stayed at, uh, I mentioned this before, I stayed in a loft in, uh, in Greenville, and they had dogs at the front desk, and hmm. you could borrow the dogs. You could take, it was a pet-friendly, and you could borrow the dog, you could walk the dog, you could take it to your room and hang out with the dog. Was that like a, a partnership with the local like rescue league or just? Yeah, I think it was. I think you could That's adopt pretty cool. the dogs. Did yeah. you let your boys walk the dogs? No. Oh, because then they they'd there? fall in love. <laughs> no, I've told people this before. When I got married, we didn't really have a prenup, but if we had, there would be one item on it, and that would be we're never having a dog. My wife wanted one when we got married. Now she's convinced the same way I am that we didn't need a dog. That they cost a lot of money, and I'd rather have an extra kid. Well, for you, you corral enough animals at work, so. (laughs) 
you are a bunch of animals for sure. All right, I think we've got time for, we have a few more surprise and delight stories. I think we've got time for one more, maybe Misha. Yeah, so this one is a quickie. It's a really big hotel brand. So Hilton, they do a fantastic job with one of their Twitter handles. I think the only good job they don't do is making people aware of this. So I'm not a super loyal Hilton fan. So maybe it's more prominent to Hilton loyal members. But they have the Twitter handle at Hilton Suggest. And I actually checked it today just to see if they were still on top of it. They still totally are. This has been a thing for a really long time. So if you're a traveler with Hilton, you can tweet at Hilton Suggest and ask them pretty much anything about staying at one of their hotels or things to do in a destination or great places to eat or whatever it might be, you know, around travel or in their hotels. And they have a dedicated staff 24-7 that is responding to literally everyone, which is pretty awesome. That's crazy. And, you know, I, I don't anticipate a small boutique hotel being having the resources to do something like that. But if you go back to the, the last one where you're talking about them personalizing the experience for a guest, every property can do that on some level, right? It, it just, it takes you taking the time. You don't have to go research people on social media, but just having a conversation with guests at check-in or when you bump into them on the elevator or when they ask you a question and say, why are you here? Are you celebrating anything special? And say, yeah, they're celebrating a birthday or an anniversary. Say they have kids and they're celebrating a birthday. Give them a sticker, you know? What does that really cost you? And that just made the kids day. Or give them a little lollipop or something, some token gesture that acknowledges they're special and that you're you're glad that they're there. You know, it, it can be really small. Just make decisions within your organization that are going to make that um, guest happy. We have a client that um, they they have a daily joke. So every single one of their um, employees, I think it's actually more than one joke. They have multiple jokes. So if you bump into a, reserv- a, a reservationist or a maintenance or whoever it is and they engage with you and you have kids, they're going to tell you some kind of corny joke every day. And maybe they have multiple. So if you've already bumped into a maintenance person and you bump into another one, they have a different joke. But just that little gesture of the human contact, of actually engaging with someone on a human level, of people, 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 people level, as Pete would say, then um, it just makes all the difference in the world to the experience. I completely agree. And now I want to go look up a joke every single day. If you tell me a joke every single day, I'll be very, very happy. But it has to be a good joke. Mm, what's not your definition always of good funny it has to make okay. me chuckle clean is probably not in my to, it doesn't have to be <laughs> in clean. my repertoire so it, can that be, works. It, it may be offensive that's okay. okay i'll see what i can do i take the south park approach there are no there are no lines in comedy yeah, if it makes you laugh it must have worked that's right even if it makes the person that told the joke laugh then it must be funny. <laughs> challenge accepted there you go so there you go. So that's surprise and delight. So those are the five things that we feel are contributing to why we think this is 2017, the year of the guest. So number one to recap was uh, that direct bookings are still the wars raging on. Number two, and I'm trying to scramble. Here the I'm sharing economy. Was the sharing economy. Number three was technology takes over. Number four was loyalty programs. And number five, which is our favorite, is surprise and delight, which leads to enchantment. And all of those at the root are about the guest. And at the end of the day, we are all in the hospitality industry to focus on the guest. That is why we do what we do. And if your guest leaves the property and leaves a negative review, then shame on you. That was your fault. You did not engage with them during this day. You did not 
make sure that they were having a great stay. There's so much technology out there now to allow you, if you don't bump into them in the hallway or at the check-in desk, you can still engage with them, whether it's via text message, whether it's via email, whether it's via a mobile app and push notifications. You can pick the brain of the guest during their stay and you can beat the OTAs, you can beat your competitors by just actually caring about your guest while they're on property and making sure that they don't ever leave the property unhappy or unfulfilled or having not seen that met that you haven't met the expectations that they had for you when they checked in you guys have anything else to add for that i Uh, think it really is at the end of the day common sense like make your hotel a hotel that you would want to stay at like you said we are in the hospitality business everybody does the the hard stuff you know the advanced ppc campaigns the all the marketing in the world but at the end of the day Try being human. Try helping your guests to really experience wherever you are the best you possibly can. Be about them and you'll have repeat guests for the rest of your life. I feel like your recap was way better than mine. I don't know. I kind of feel I rambled on that one. Yeah, it's all right. Ramble to the people, people. It's okay. <laughs> well, that, there you have it. That, that is part two in our first ever two-parter. I felt like it went pretty well. I thought I tried. I thought about cramming this all into one episode. Well, this is just like the end of the Hunger Games now, because they had two parts. Did somebody I, die? I, I feel like there. I don't know. I know oh, you're watching. Weren't there like four parts? Yeah, the yeah. The last, oh, the part last one, one was yeah. in two parts. Yeah. You know what? I've only seen the first part of the last episode. I haven't seen the last part, the second part yet. Yeah, I need to finish watching the last part of the last part. Yeah. They did that with uh, Harry Potter as well. Yeah, I feel like once it gets to the end of the series, they're like, let's just make more money. Yeah. Wait a minute. We didn't come up with sequels. I thought we (laughs) just came up with that idea on this podcast. I guess not. Yeah, we don't own sequels. Uh Otherwise, Star Wars wouldn't be a thing. Hmm. All right. Well, where can they find you on the web, Pete? They can find me on Twitter. I'm at PDMAO, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. Misha. You can find me also on Twitter at Marketing Misha. That is at Marketing M-E-I-S-H-A. And you can find me at Stuart Butler, S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. We would love to hear from you on Twitter. We man that regularly, and we reply to almost everyone that sends us a tweet. And you can hit us up on the web at uh, fueltravel.com. And if you want the show notes for this episode, fueltravel.com slash podcast, click on episode 39. And don't forget, if you hadn't listened to 38, go listen to that as well, because is good and we actually have a blog that kind of recaps all this stuff and goes into a little more detail on some of these uh, uh, different uh, items as well and that's at fueltravel.com slash blog so until next time you have been listening to the fuel hotel marketing podcast jibber jabble ribble ramble